Did you feel like you did actually have your life flash before your eyes? Did you have enough oh. enough time? Was that your experience? Honestly, I did, yeah. Once I hit the tree and checked, um, you know, I had a few injuries that I sustained from the steering wheel. The next thing I heard was a creaking noise. Though so the tree was about to fall on top of the car, which it eventually did. That's exercise physiologist and former rugby league player Joshua Tree, also known as the blokeologist. And if there's one thing he knows, it's blokes. I think if I had someone in my, I think if I had someone like me in my corner at that time, I would it would have made a, a huge difference. Young blood is all about looking after yourself, and when we talk about taking care of our health, that has to include all aspects of it. Our mental, physical and emotional health all feed each other and when we can balance all three, we set ourselves up to flourish. But as we know, that's not that simple. Fortunately, Josh is a jack of all trades in men's health with a unique understanding of how we can set up those important pillars of health so they work together to support our lives. I think that moment really created a lightning rod for me to sort of change my focus from trying to play professional footy into a career in health and fitness. Josh coaches pro athletes and average Joes alike and focuses on what we all have in common, wanting to be better. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast all about young men's health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. This episode has been made possible by Kookaburra Homes, the home builder that cares about the community. Kookaburra is big on investing in projects that support mental health and is an awesome supporter of Young Blood's mission to improve the lives of young men by opening up these conversations that we need to have. All right, so Josh, you had a pretty tough time uh, in high school. Can you talk about what was happening for you at that stage? Yeah, um, well, there's a lot of there was a lot of things going on at the time. At, at the time, I was playing for a, a junior rep footy for an NRL club. Uh, and then also at the same time, and I'd been doing that for a good two, three years. I was also playing representative level at school, um, and I was also state rep for um, rugby union as well as uh, an, a regional rep for rugby league. And, um, yeah, the, ch- the challenges at the time, apart from playing football, was uh, just some bullying that was going on around there, uh, not only with some, with, the, with some students but also a few teachers at the time. Um, the school I went to really prided itself on pastoral care, but the pastoral care there seemed to be more about um, a teaspoon of cement and, and harden up. Right. So, and what was the uh, bullying based on? So what what kind of things did you experience? A whole range of stuff. So for me, uh, it seemed to be more racial than anything else. So I am so I am mixed race in 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 um, in my background. I'm. Uh, Italian and European sort of background, but for me, I, just because uh, a lot of the guys at school were white, um, and I mean, I'm I'm olive skin, so I'm not exactly you know super super dark, but obviously when I've got a tan, I'm a bit darker. Um, but uh, we we had a school where it was primarily you know, Anglo-Saxon guys that would go to it, and then you'd have a few different races there. Um, you know, racism was a big thing. Um, body image was another big thing. Um, for me, I was playing in a number of different positions, but I was mainly playing the, in the forward pack and being of a bigger size uh, tended to lend itself to things about being overweight, or, which I wasn't. I was playing for three different rugby league sides and training five days a week. And probably Sounds like you hours. were clearly the size you needed to be, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, you can't please everyone and that's, that seemed to be a big thing. And uh I mean, coupled 
around that time when I was going through school, which year 10 to year 12, year 10 was when September 11 happened. So I was getting taunts like I was a terrorist and all this other stuff through to being a wog and and then in some occasions, uh, some occasions also, you know, people sort of questioning whether I was abo, not that it really should matter. But, um, yeah, like I said, yeah, highly racial, highly body, body image based uh, and and some some of the teachers, none of that was teacher based. It was student based, but the teacher base seemed to be just certain teachers just didn't seem to like who I was, and um, would say some derogatory things to other teachers, thinking I couldn't hear them, uh, but I could. Far out, right? And so, how did that make you feel and think about yourself at that time as a, as a young man in that very malleable stage of? Uh, defining your identity and working out who you are. It sounds like that was happening sort of on a, a constant basis. So it must have, did it make you angry or how do you remember responding? I think the biggest challenge I think going through that time was really just better understanding where you fit in in the cohort that was there. And yeah, away from school, it was very different. Um, you know, obviously when I was playing at footy for the NRL club, we had a whole bunch of different guys from all different ethnic backgrounds in our side, all just there for a common goal, and you didn't seem to have any of that. Yes, you'd have the occasional banter here and there, but it was just a completely different environment. Um, I suppose the other thing to consider, the other thing I was said, the other thing I was also was was really angry, really pissed off um, that you know you go to a uh, you go to a school um, for a particular purpose. For me, I was really passionate about going to that school because my brother went there and it was really well-known rugby league school. Uh, and, um, to, uh, and you also, I was sort of angry at something. I was angry internally, not that I ever vented it to teachers, but certainly sort of, um, frustrated me that, um, it seemed that certain teachers didn't have my, my welfare or interests, um, in their forefront of their mind and, and really sort of drop the ball around duty of care of students. And did you feel like the football field, uh, the rugby field, was the only place that you could get that love and respect and outside of that it was mostly negatives? Yes, absolutely. I think mean, once you're on a field, um, you know, playing sport, it seemed to be that sort of neutralising factor or, you know, you're, it's a it's very much a different environment whereby you know in sport you're all working together for a common goal of you know winning winning a match, uh, and then certainly a few days later when that's worn off, then it's a very different environment. So I certainly remember, as I said to you um, the other day, I mean I certainly remember uh, having a conversation with um, the sports master at the school at the time about how I was feeling and the fact that I just wanted to quit and footy and just focus uh, on my efforts outside of school and and what I was what I was sort of left with was uh, a threat of uh, if I quit footy playing for the school because they pride themselves on being all round not just ap- academically but also being uh, successful in the sporting arena I was sort of threatened with uh, afternoon detentions until I decided I was going to play play rugby league again so I wanted to use you for your skills but I didn't value you. And you must have got that feeling from a number of sources at that time that you would have had that impression that I'm only good for playing rugby and that's the only place that I can get uh, the affirmation that I want. And frustratingly, it seems like that wasn't actually the only thing you wanted to do. You wanted to do everything uh, around that in life, but you weren't getting that opportunity. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I honestly felt that was that was the case at the time and, 
And uh, I certainly felt I wasn't the only guy feeling that way as well. There's a number of guys who were exceptionally exceptional athletes that um, uh, certainly felt a similar way, I think, and we certainly had those conversations amongst each other. Uh, and it's more, I guess, a way of just uh, seeing it through um, and just – and I suppose it just became a case of – you performed a certain way when you're on the field for school, but then you might perform a certain way when you're away from school playing for those rep sides and, and wanting to excel and, and inverse in that way. And unfortunately with your story, it didn't get much better for a very long time after that. And in fact, sounds like it got worse. Um, just talk about after school, who you played for at your peak uh, and what, yep. le- what level, and then also the other things that were happening uh, in that world while you were playing. Yeah, so at the time I was I was still playing for the, the NRL club um, over at the the West Tigers, um, and uh, in the junior sort of levels, I was sort of working my way through the development system into SG Ball, sorry, so into Jersey Flag in, in a few games in uh, in First Division. Um, unfortunately, I just had a whole run of different injuries and ended up playing uh, for a feeder club out in uh, out in Picton, and. Um, just happened to be that on this particular, at the end of this particular season, where went away for a footy trip, um, as you do with with your mates, and um, and uh, yeah, whilst we're away um, on one particular night, one of the guys who, uh, in all honesty, I wasn't very close to this particular guy, um, but uh, uh, I just woke up after being king hit in my bed um, after. A, Night out with the, with the with the boys, and um, as soon as it happened, jumped up to defend myself. A few of the other guys who were in the room, who were really close mates of mine from the footy team that I played with uh, back at school, uh, jumped in for my defence and sort of broke things up, pushed the guy out of the out of the room. But you know, um, didn't stop the fact that I had a black eye and uh, a partial sort of um, loss of sight um, from the incident and. And that's uh, I was when, already con- so were you just lying there or you were asleep and then your own teammate comes and hits you? Yeah, so uh, I was lying there. The reason for that is I was sleeping in uh, that bed because he and another a couple other guys decided to do something to my bed. Uh, so the fellas had all decided, well, you can sleep in that bed now and he's going to sleep in our room and, and whatnot. And uh, he's just decided to come in later on that night, assault me um, and... Uh, yeah, the guys in the room uh, obviously grabbed me because they didn't want me to beat him up. Um, but uh, he obviously, he obviously didn't want me to get hurt uh, any more than I'd already been. Uh, but uh, uh, obviously, he escorted him very quickly out of the room. But, and so next you, morning, you, your own teammates had made you a, a target and were bullying you within that team, though. Obviously, there's a small cohort that that um, that were involved in it. Yeah. Um, the, the guys that looked after me were some of the guys I actually used to play footy with back in high school, uh, who were on that team and knew me really well. So, uh, those guys who were in the room that protected me and shoved the other guy out, um, uh, you know, the next morning were sort of very closely guarding me from that guy. Um, it was just disappointing. Um, but, uh, I'd already been at that stage thinking about, um, changing teams or, you know, taking a break from footy just because of the run of injuries and then to to be assaulted like that in, a, in 
what could be described as nothing more than a king hit mm. um, was enough for me to sort of decide, well, I'm just going to quit footy altogether. And I wouldn't play. I, I ended up eventually going back to footy uh, for a different side, but that wasn't until about seven years later. And then after I'd gone back to the club, um, I went back to my club at the West Tigers and uh, spoke to the CEO, who was a uh, really good um was really good at the time. He's actually, he was also a fairly close friend of the family and um, basically gave me an opportunity to start a, a, um, a bit of a coaching career, which, um, which made a huge difference instead of helped to mend some things and, and uh, having those set of mentors around me for a good bit of time um, amongst uh, guys I'd you know, played um, professionally with and uh, in that more positive environment where they're all sort of, you know, on a higher focus, trying to make first grade, um, it's sort of uh, tend to sort of improve things for a good while. So after you got attacked, you didn't play another game after that moment? I, I didn't play for seven years, no. Yeah, straight after that. So obviously it's had a massive impact on you mentally. Um, how did that change the way you felt about yourself or what did that do to your head, not physically but inside it? Uh, for me, it was I closely guarded myself around. I was very careful about who I was around, and uh, and definitely closely guarded myself. So, I'd, I'd say I would have withdrawn into myself for a while, uh, and that didn't really change until uh, things sort of changed when I was, you know, when I started coaching and getting to know a different bunch of blokes and started to feel more comfortable, but then started to sort of feel more comfortable in a in a space that was sort of geared towards um, being there for other blokes and being a lot more supportive around other blokes and geared towards uh, reaching higher achievements rather than just getting on the turps and and just doing some silly stuff on the weekends. But there's a seven-year gap there before you got into the coaching yeah. side of things. So what happened in that in that gap there? Were, were you, but, like you said, were you getting on the piss and just making bad decisions and feeling really distraught throughout that whole time or what happened in there? No, for me, I think that moment really created a, a lightning rod for me to sort of change my focus from trying to play professional footy into a career in health and fitness. Uh, I was already a very active guy. I already had a cert four in, in personal training at the time. So what I actually ended up doing was uh, went to university, completed my bachelor's in sport and exercise science, um, the, the role I was working at the West Tigers was as a strength conditioning coach, helping other guys uh, make the, so the, uh, help them to uh, achieve uh, their goals in making first grade. And, I, and frankly, I got a, a real kick out of doing that, uh, being able to help other people. Mm. And um, yeah, so that uh, for me, it was coaching career, um, finished uh, finish that bachelor's degree, became an exercise physiologist, went and did a master's degree in clinical exercise physiology. Wow, so you, you, you were busy. So you, you achieved a huge yeah. amount in that time. Do you feel like um, now being pushed down that path that actually that was a that was a positive thing and you ended up doing the sorts of work and study that was right for you? I think if I had someone in my – I think if I had someone like me in my corner at that time, I would it would have made a, a huge difference. Um, so I suppose in a way I wanted to – be in a position where I could help someone like me moving forward. Um, like you wanted to be that guy that you wish you had through those yeah, tough times. Absolutely. Yeah, if, I, I, 
for me, if I, I honestly believe if I had someone like me in my, in my corner at that time, I may have actually made it in professional football. Um, not that I have any hang-ups about it because I really do enjoy what I do now. Um, and I've had that moment to work in a couple of different fields. Like apart from working in the NRL, I also worked um, in, in, uh, with the ARU for a very brief period of time, working with the national teams. And I also worked um, in the AFL with the GWS side when they were starting to build their systems and build their junior systems. and Doing their strength and conditioning stuff. Yeah, so for me, it was a combination of strength initiating, talent identification, base work. So going out and actually identifying young kids um, in a future stars program from different sports and teaching them how to play AFL. Um, building their academy system. Um, I think when I started at GWS, they had five professional AFL players. Uh, and uh, by the time I left, uh, they'd sort of kick things on in their first season. Um, and, uh, and I'd say from the work myself and a lot of the guys that first started there um, in that in that system around string initiating talent identification also development officer work uh, going out to schools and working with kids um, that sort of lend itself into where the club's position is at the moment yeah because they're not they weren't bad the other year <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not right you're not wrong in that respect absolutely so you still kept to kept being involved in really high level sports so that was still yeah. fueling that fire and that passion that you had. But yep. you must have felt like in terms of your own ambitions as a player, it wasn't quite an even playing field because you just had to worry about copying the abuse and, and not getting along with your teammates and having this stuff happen off the field. That meant that you, you couldn't give it as much of a crack as you, you perhaps you could have if you had a, a better system to work within. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do believe there was a different system and support structure in place. Um Certainly would have been, I do believe there, there would have been a different outcome. Um, but I suppose uh, there was a lot of lessons really learned at that time uh, and a lot of these lessons I've taken from that situation and, and look to uh, change things, I guess, in my own world and respect, wanting to, um, and, and with that respect, then wanting to take that a step further in creating environments where, um, you know, obviously other guys can thrive and, and uh, be able to persevere with what they want to achieve. So in my current role as an exercise physiologist, I've seen guys who have been far worse off than I ever was, um, you know, people with complex uh, bone fractures from a motor vehicle accident. For example, a guy who's had like 35 broken bones and pelvis to back and a whole range of other stuff, and my job's about getting him back to square one, um, to working with veterans who have got PTSD and, a uh, number of chronic health conditions that have developed as a co as a comorbidity effect from the from the mental illness. And um, you're really looking at the physical side and the mental side of things and how they they work together as one and the same. And you're sort of able to help your clients in a, a number of ways, not just uh, the body or the mind. Yeah, it's it, for me. It's about treating the person. Um, so they're not just to me. They're not just a an illness or like a referral from a doctor saying they've got this particular condition when, you know, in a way in my current role as an exercise physiologist, yes, you're treating the condition that you, that you've been referred, but also you're getting to know the person and you're getting to know them on a, on a regular basis. And there's, uh, um, there's definitely uh, a case of building a community where they feel confident and comfortable and, and safe. And they, you know, obviously they feel comfortable enough to be able to share things that aren't going 
too well in their life and things that are going really well with their life and all the, you know, if it's uh, one of my veterans, they might be talking to me about their grandkids and what they did on the weekend to, uh, and then on another light might be talking about a, um, uh, you know, a, a dream they had the other night where they sort of heard a rattling of machine gun from their experience in uh, Vietnam. Um, and then certainly on the other respect, you know, it might be someone trying to, somebody who's uh, coming into wanting to lose weight because of the sort of experience that I've been on a body image side of things. And, and I guess having that lived experience, I can be uh, a lot more empathetic and sympathetic to their situation and give them the tools that I use to, um, to improve things for me to, to be able to help them. Yeah, and that would be such a useful tool now because they'd feel like you really understand them and you'd be able to actually really listen and, and draw on your own experience, which makes you that much more effective. But speaking of car accidents, you had one of those yourself as well, just after you'd started your own business and things were yes. starting to look up back in 2015 and then you hit a kangaroo. Oh, I missed the kangaroo. That was the problem. Okay. I thought you went yeah. straight through it. No. Oh, that would have been all right, I suppose. I, I probably would have been in better shape if I'd done that instead. No, I was driving home, uh, at night just after going out on a, on a date and, uh, and, um, yeah, just happened to come to this particular road that just is a couple hundred meters from my house, very dark, not well lit. Uh, and just had a kangaroo all of a sudden jump in front of my car of swerve to avoid it. And unfortunately I've ended up uh, head on into a tree. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, um, obviously did everything I, I could to, uh, um, to minimise the risk to myself. Um, but, yeah, in those moments you sort of have a, a flash moment about um, about everything you've gone through and up to that point. Uh, did you feel like you did actually have your life flash before your eyes? Did you have enough oh, enough time? Was that your experience? I, I Honestly, I did, yeah. Honestly, I felt like I had a, a flashing moment uh, where I just sort of had a glimpse of everything that, it, that I'd done in my life and, uh, and – um, Went once I obviously once I've hit the tree and checked, um, you know, I had a few injuries that I sustained from the steering wheel. Um, you know, checked myself. The next thing I heard was a creaking noise as though the tree was about to fall on top of the car, which it eventually did. Uh, but I was able to get myself out just in time uh, before it went any further. And minor injuries, it sounds uh, like. I had some fairly, had some fairly severe dongle injuries oh, okay. uh, from the steering wheel. Uh, as soon as I got myself out of the car, I pretty much sort of just laid on, I was laying on my back, um, uh, pulling out my phone. I actually, the first thing I did was actually ring my parents to say, look, I'm about a car accident. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but this is where I am. And uh, I was just about to call the ambulance when another car drove past, saw me, stopped, called the ambulance and, uh, and sort of stayed with me. Jeez. So that set you back then again for a while would have in recovery. Yeah, well, it was actually for uh, the interesting thing was uh, that weekend. It was the, the Sunday was actually Mother's Day, so uh, I was in hospital for all that weekend um, uh, in a different sense. But uh, yeah, for there's a good three to four week period where I was uh, laid up where I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't drive uh, and trying to manage everything and manage my employees from a remote setting uh, to make sure everything was still able to operate and. Um, and function as, as it normally would. So there was definitely some challenges at the time. And then a few years later, another attack of sorts, uh, 
this one on the field, I believe, that uh, did some serious damage to you as well. Uh, yeah, so a couple of years ago, I it was a couple of years after I'd just come back from footy. I uh, played a couple of seasons down in Wollongong and and then decided to go and play uh, or go and help out an old uh, teammate of mine, uh, West Tigers teammate of mine, who was um, starting his coaching career for a Group 6 club. And... Uh, and um, there's actually still YouTube video, YouTube footage of it, but um, uh, I was uh, sort of closing uh, stages of a major semi-final match, and uh, I was uh, taking a hit up uh, from the try line. And uh, whilst I was in the tackle, one of the opposition players decided King hit me. Um, there's good footage of it uh, where they sort of hit me in the side of the head. Uh, when it happened, you know, I sort of had it. I've had a few opportunities to look at the footage I just saw myself completely drop to the ground uh and um next thing you know I sort of uh got myself back up and uh within a couple of minutes I got myself off the field and um uh and yeah for me I it would have been one of those moments where I you know there's been certain moments when I have played footy before where I've felt concussion yeah or felt concussed and that was one of those times I couldn't really see properly. Uh, had a good lump on my head where I was struck, and um, I, um, yeah, unfortunately that night I ended up having to drive myself back home, which wasn't the yeah, no one. <laughs> that no one wasn't was a good. Drive me. That wasn't a good move. <laughs> well, that night there was a lot of things happened. There was uh, police was called. The police were called because there was a lot of racial vilification from the other the other teams' uh, fans towards our fans, our Islander boys. Um, and uh, they were called to sort of disperse the crowd soon after the game. All right. So it got and really ugly that, that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, soon after, yep. Yeah. Uh, and um, and there wasn't really an option for someone else to drive me home, so I just had to do the best I could. Shit. I didn't have anyone I could actually call to, to get me home that night and uh, I had to drive myself sort of home uh, and take stops along the way for a good um, hour. And yeah, what, what was what was the damage from that hit? So I ended up having uh, so the doctor definitely confirmed I um, had a mild concussion, uh, and also um, uh, also diagnosed I had a partially fractured skull from the from the king hit. So that was the reason why I was having eye issues. I still um, have some eye issues related to that, that side of my face. Um, Beyond the beyond that period, but um, obviously with uh, my concussion, I wasn't able to work for a good three four weeks. Um, so it sort of compromised my business. I lost a couple of work contracts because mm. uh, obviously I couldn't um, see patients during that time. So they opted to uh, change providers. Um, it's just yeah, it wasn't a great time. So, I mean, it stands out to me, and I'm sure people listening to this that you've just been through a lot in still a fairly short time and some pretty brutal stuff. That includes multiple physical attacks that were really nasty. Um, how has that affected your psyche, and and what? How did that weigh on your mental health through that time? I mean, you're getting attacked and then recovering, and then you had the car accident and you had it again. There's some some pretty big, ugly knocks happening to you. What did that What did that do for you? I suppose to me, just when one of those things came up, I just did what I needed to do to rehabilitate, I guess, uh, physically and psychologically at the time. Um, that included having conversations with, with certain health professionals at the time as well. Um, 
and uh, I suppose given the fact that uh, especially with the car accident and also the King hit being running my own business and, and being responsible for other people, there's not really, there's not really a lot of time that you can take away from that to um, focus on yourself. So as, as, it was a case of really just trying to do as the best you can at that time. And then when there was more time to, uh, to uh, um, do some further work and, and do some further self-care, that's when I took it. Uh, but the, the main focus was just getting myself healthy first uh, in, in the physical sense and also in the, um, uh, the psychological and emotional and, and social sense. And uh, I was fortunate enough at those two different instances to have a really great support system at the time um, uh, that sort of allowed me to uh, fast track recoveries and, and get back to where I needed to be. What was the point at which you really launched into these men's health initiatives of which you're doing more than one and dedicating a huge amount of energy to? When did you really get into doing that? Because that takes some serious drive to create the things that you've had to create, uh, which obviously it's not coming at much of a if any of a, a profit to you, it's all about um, yeah. the fire inside wanting to help. Um, what What's driving that? Well, when you spoke about um, the the last incident where I had the, the king here on field, it was actually a couple of months just before I was about to launch my first bloke's lunch. Um, so I suppose um, in a way what sort of helped me at the time was just having that distraction um, which in, in a clinical sense we always talk about things like cognitive behavioral therapy um, you know, which is a method of um, a method of um, or technique to really uh, provide distraction away th- from things that are causing pain to progress in goal setting and a whole range of other uh, other respects um, getting back to your point, getting back to your question about the men's health stuff, it's it's really uh, a couple of years before that I was um, a ambassador for my industry, the um, Exercise Sports Science um, Australia um, Association, and um, a few years back we launched this campaign called Real Men Move, and it was about getting out and getting guys active and having these um, conversations with guys to where they were, uh, and for me uh, that's where I actually engaged with a lot of men's sheds at the time and uh, started these physical activity programs and conversations with those guys to, to get them moving. And, and that's sort of then a few years later um, what sort of inspired the, the Blokes Lunch uh, concept was um, as, a, as a clinician, often what we find is there's a lot of support services for, for our female patients, but uh, for our male patients there aren't as many, if any, in the, in the local community. So when they come to see us on the, the level of referral they can on Medicare, uh, and if they don't have the financial means to be able to continue with you, there's not really, uh, there weren't really a lot of support services to be able to refer them to. So uh, the Blokes Lunch has really started to, uh, with the aim of addressing that that issue in the community. Um, and and um, first year uh, we made a, uh, we. Well, the way we run the events is really lean to, to make sure that we uh, can uh, give back as much as we can to the community. Uh, so there's definitely no personal profit from my respect. It's more covering costs of running the event yeah. and uh, and then obviously providing new financial donations to a number of different charitable organisations. But it's grown quite a lot. I think you, you did your third one. Um, and yeah, and yeah. by the third one, you had quite a bit of traction and quite a bit of uh, 
businesses wanting to get involved and it's certainly pretty visible now from what I've seen. Yeah, so on a on a so our first one we sort of attracted uh, attracted around uh, just under two hundred people to the event, uh, and then we've we've sort of held steady at that number um, with chopping and changing a different sort of um, uh, business support during that time, uh, and um, we've been able to do some really positive work in the local community. So things like um, supporting uh, junior mentoring programs in schools, which I would have loved something like that when I was at school. So supporting organisations like Top Blokes, we gave a set of initial donation to those guys the first year and uh, also gave um, some support to um, suicide prevention uh, initiatives for Black Dog and and so on. And, and, uh, We've also been able to provide some financial support to the local prostate cancer nurse um, to make sure there's a, a regular service for guys to attend to, you know, for early detection purposes. And, and uh, along with that, we've also created some physical activity programs in the area as well. And then sort of more recently, we've uh, provided um, a fairly big donation to the Movember Foundation to launch their uh, Conversations app uh, and also continuing to launch some grassroots programs like uh, uh, like um, the Barstool Blokes, which is a big one that we're starting at the moment. Uh, and that's just about creating those community supports and also then some education around physical health and mental health, in particular a big focus on mental health and a number of different community aspects. Yeah, some really important work that you're doing there, uh, which is obviously having that impact and in a very broad scope where you're really uh, finding a way to influence uh, a lot of different men in a lot of different ways from the yeah. work that you do what do you notice that a lot of these guys of different ages are really crying out for in terms of support um well priorities are different to be honest with you certainly when we if we go to a if we go to a men's shed it's more about um just uh, getting moving and having conversations and around what they should eat and what they should get regular movement and and just that sort of support within the within the organisation itself within the shed. Um, when it comes to uh, guys who might be seeing me in, in clinic, it's probably more than anything else. It's probably just that interaction, um, having the ability to be able to talk to someone about what's going on, uh, where they might not feel comfortable um, having that conversation with their with their partner um, or. Um, or uh, you know, make it to the footy club or anything like that. So just having that that third party that's non-judgmental, that's there for them, and that um, really cares about how they are, and 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 has a lot of focus and interest in and in being able to help them be the best version of themselves. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that's being um, highly sought after when when, it's, when we're working with our male clients. Um, and I suppose the big thing is. Um, the big focus that I'm seeing is the growth in spaces with blokes in mind uh, is the big one. So uh, from anything from social meetups to break the isolation of, uh, break the sort of social isolation or rural isolation they might be in to um, getting a bit more understanding education around how to have a conversation with a mate. Um, I often do find when I'm talking to um Friends of mine, I've even had conversations with mates that have you know, ha- were having some deep and, deep and dark thoughts about taking their own life, and that and that really came about in terms of having the ability to have those conversations with the mate. That really came about from 
some training and development that I undertook as a clinician uh, to better understand that side of things to enhance my skills in that respect. But then um, from doing that, I was able to sort of notice some signs and, and some signs, some early warning signs on, on how a mate was communicating with other people on Facebook. And I just happened to just reach out to him and uh, and say to him, well, mate, uh, we haven't caught up for a little while. You want to come down to meet for, uh, meet for a bite and we'll have a conversation and, after getting through the initial banter and we're both we're both major fans of the Canberra Raiders, so it's not hard to have a conversation about football with him. Uh, uh, it's sort of then, I sort of then uh, lent the conversation towards, mate, I'm, no, I'm noticing a couple of things. I'm a bit concern, concerned. Can you tell me what's going on? And, and we're able to work through some stuff, give him some strategies. Um, and I guess because I'm in that healthcare system, I do know about all the different referral options that are available. Instead of pointing him in the direction of having a conversation with his GP and a psychologist to to get some help, and he's uh, he's uh, in a much better place at the moment. And you've got those bloke cards as well, just on that topic, which <laughs> is uh, just about yeah. you know simplifying how we can have those conversations. Because uh, obviously you're the clinician, and you go off and get the training, which is fantastic and necessary. But not every average bloke who might need to have a conversation like that is going to go and do yeah. that. So part of what the work you're doing is is trying to work out how to make that easy to package and then get the message across so that others can have those conversations and know sort of have a bit of a starting point to know what they're talking about. Well, a big focus on the last Blokes Lunch was creating, um, apart from obviously all this, the programs and supports that were put out there, we also wanted to put out some resources that we give to guys and, and also we've spoken to local businesses and and, and having those cards up to be able to have those conversations. And um, the, the, the major focus around the, the Blake's card was having just recently completed some instructor training on mental health first aid. I, I felt like it just, we just needed to conceptualise the message that was there in more of a, a, in a way that uh, connected more with men. Um, and, and at the last Blake's lunch, we actually put those Blake's cards in every gift bag. That, just um, just explain attendees. what's on them. If you've, if you've got one there, just show, show it yeah. to us. So on, on the front of the card, what it actually details, the Blake's action plan. So for us, it's about, for me, what we looked at in the acronym is actually Blake's uh, on, the, on the action plan. Oh, yeah. So it's, a, yeah, so literally. So it's what's, that, what's, what's that hence stand for then? So the B stands for be prepared to approach a mate, assess and assist in any crisis. The L is listen, communicate without judgment. Uh, o is to offer support and information. Uh, the uh, K is to keep the space uh, and your mate safe. Uh, the E is encourage your mate to, to get appropriate professional help. And uh, the S is suggest and encourage other supports. Oh, cool. That works perfectly. Just uh, <laughs> just Just hold it up so we can see it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just got those simple instructions there. Nice. Yeah, yeah cool. That works back, well. And on the back, we do actually have all the crisis support lines there as well. So um, the the major pr the premise for that is really better if you're reading off one of these in your mobile phone uh, with your other cards. That then you've also got these numbers you can actually give to to your mate to have a conversation. And those numbers include your your lifeline, blue on blue. Yeah. Um, sane helpline, the suicide callback line and headspace. Cool, man. That's a great idea. Love that. It's really, really simple. So you've been shipping those out to businesses and they've been handing them out? 
Yeah, so if we put them, we put them up in a number of different businesses. So uh, in burger joints and um, you know uh, a few. Uh, uh, a couple of clinical businesses and, and some a couple of bars around the place and we were sort of wanting to get them into sporting clubs. Um, but we're also going a step further with one of our other initiatives, which is the Barstool Blokes. And the, the big thing that we're wanting to do there is we've uh, developed a, a beer coaster version of that. Um, so they're a bit more, I uh, guess, so we can get them out to sporting clubs and our publicans and where blokes are likely to hang out and have uh, and catch up with mates. Um, so they're able to engage, engage in that conversation um, more readily. Yeah, love that. That's great. How's serving others helped you to heal yourself and, and to grow? Well, I suppose at a very young age, my parents got me, um, got me in the habit of, um, of uh, giving back. Um, so there's been a number of different charity um, causes that I've been a part of at a very young age. Um, and for me, it, with my occupation as a health professional, it's it's always about giving back. It's always about uh, helping people. And and for me, I I just find like I feel uh, it, it just helps me feel better about myself. Uh, being able to make a, a change and and help someone uh, recover from an injury, or um, if it's in a sporting sense, they so do see those patients as well, uh, helping them achieve their their goals and aspirations. Um, all I can say is how it helps me to heal is um, just having that, I suppose for me, it's just a case of just feeling good about myself and feeling good about the situation and and uh, and seeing those, pa- seeing those patients really succeed. I just get a lot out of it. Um, I don't really need a lot of, I don't really need a lot to make me happy. Uh, and I suppose in a way that's what it's about. It's by helping them, it, it helps me, uh, just uh, live a very positive, um, positive lifestyle. And on that, where do you feel like you're at now with your own personal development and your mental health after going through all that you've been through and, and going to some pretty dark places along the way? Who yeah. are who who are you now, and, and where are you at? I feel I feel I feel from all the moments that have occurred uh, up until this point to to, to now, um, along the way, I've sort of picked up different different to- different tools for my kit bag along the way on how I how I um, have respond how I've you know I've worked through certain situations and then how to overcome. And, and from a clinical sense, what we we teach our patients is about self efficacy, and 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 with that self efficacy is about the ability to be able to. Um, have the tools there to, if we relapse, how we then get ourselves back on track to and, and sort of improve ourselves in that sense. So uh, apart from uh, having those sort of regular conversations and, and, and having that sort of skill set in a clinical sense, I think more recently having a training around mental health has really helped, uh, helped along the way uh, in better understanding some of the signs and symptoms that I was going through different stages of my life and uh, better understanding uh, about the the information that's out there, the support services that are out there, the referral services that are out there to if I'm having one of those, if I have a relapse, which um, there are, there's certainly days where I've had relapses with my own depression and anxiety from time to time, but having that education, I can better identify the fact that I'm having one of those days and, and have the, the tools in the kit bag to be able to pick myself back up. And if I need to have a conversation with a psychologist or have a conversation with a GP, then I'm, I'm quite uh, confident and quite, and, and certainly 
uh, I certainly make sure I do those things um, that that needs to happen to uh, make sure that I'm traveling, uh, traveling that I'm on track and traveling well. Awesome, man. And I guess no matter who we are, we're we're going to fall down and we're going to get in a rut. And it's not about trying to avoid that. Um, it's about teaching yourself and giving yourself the tools to be able to get back up from that when it does happen and then learn from it. And obviously you're, you're a fantastic example of that. Um, as someone who was suicidal though, various times throughout mm. your life, does it blow yeah. your mind to see just how useful you are in this space now and, and how many people you're helping going from uh, that stage where you were that dark to now you're completely on the other side of the spectrum and able to really help people in a way that's special, quite honestly. What's that feel like for you? <laughs> I, uh, I Honestly, I don't really feel any different about that. Like, I mean, what I, what I mean is there's been three moments in my life where I've been, you know, where I've thought about taking my own life. And they, two of those circumstances were around sport. The other one was with a relationship breakdown. And, uh, and, um, and, I suppose the, the the last one, what helped me bounce back faster from it uh, was the support system that I had at the time. That was fairly strong. Uh, in terms of where I am, at, where I'm at now, um, I suppose the the big thing I'm, I'm very thankful and, and sort of grateful for is the fact that I've had a number of opportunities to be able to better educate myself. Um, work with the people that I have been able to work with, work in the environments that I've been able to work with because they've made a huge difference. Uh, and I'm sort of regularly in contact with those guys who who honestly did mentor me in certain moments in my life, um, especially around the football days and especially sort of in a couple of few different life situations. And, and I suppose having gone through those lived experiences enabled me to be able to better identify those signs, signs with other people and be able to help those other people. Uh, and and that sort of then gave me a lot of drive to want to professionalise those skills more. And I, I, if I'm being honest, I'm sort of having spoken to some titans in the men's health space, especially around psychology and having a, a number of different psychology, a number of psychology uh, psychologist colleagues. Uh, it's one of those spaces I'm very interested in, in um, exploring further in a professional sense to... Um, address some of the challenges that I, I experience in um, seeking help uh, and also um, and improving the accessibility for services for guys that are seeking those services. Well, I'm certainly very happy that you're still here with us and that you managed to fight through all that and become the man that you are now because you're doing some tremendous work across your community and, and lots of communities that is very important that needs to be done um, and I love the way that you're doing it in such a, a holistic manner um, from the mental to the physical. And obviously you've done a lot of work too. You've had to gain those skills and do that study and then you've applied it in a way that's really changing lives for the better. Um, so just want to acknowledge you for the work that you do and, and the man that you are. Um, it's awesome. And I know you're going to continue to have a, a bigger and bigger impact and think about all the sorts of things that you can put stuff on. You're already making cards and coasters i'm sure you'll anything that you can stick a positive message on i'm sure you'll do it um so i'm keen to see what you continue to come up with and continue to create because we, we definitely need it in this world so good on you mate you're a legend if you're a fan of the work we're doing or have a suggestion for the show please rate us on apple podcasts and leave a comment 
You can follow Young Blood Men's Health Matters on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, youngbloodmenshealthmatters.com, to stay up to date. We're also on YouTube now, so please subscribe to the Young Blood Podcast channel. And most importantly, if this conversation resonated with you, share it with someone you love and start a conversation of your own. This is Young Blood. Thanks for being part of the mission. Catch you next time.